We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Good evening and welcome to TalkSport here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City. It's great to be back once again. We're here until 7 o'clock. 086-353-7782 if you want to send us a text. We're looking ahead to All-Ireland semi-finals, Kilkenny and Waterford in the hurling. Cork in the Camogie. All that to come. And we'll reflect on the life and times of Diego Maradona. But as always, at this time on a Friday evening, we're going to kick things off with racing and Bear Scott joins us as ever. Evening to you, Bar. How are you, Liam? Not too bad, not too bad. We're in Dundalk as usual. Dundalk as usual, Liam. Yeah, they started early enough today, four o'clock in fact. And I have the early results there. The first race was won by number three, Dandy Spirit, six to one. Second was number six, Woodrow, seven to two. And third was number ten, Brast of Magic, sixteen to one. The fourth thirty to one here was number seven, Al Dente, forty to one. Second was number one, Tam Luang, eleven to two. And third was number eight, Sand Castle, at seven to one. By the clock, this was won by number five, Flirting Bridge, three to one. Second was number 11, Spilt Passion, 5-2 to two favour. And third was number 1, Alice Kitty, 11-1. to one. The 530, this went to number 9, Chevillain, 28-1. to one. And Number 2 was second, Garlat, 18-1. to one. And number 11, Vazzy, was third there at 7-2. to two. I didn't get the 6 o'clock results yet, Liam, but it should be coming in fairly soon. Uh, just looking at the last three races there tonight, the... 6.30 is a 6 furlong maiden. Uh, haven't got any betting, but I think it's fairly certain that uh, Joseph O'Brien's Joe March, number 8, will start favourite here. Maybe around 6 or 7 to 4. He has a few others in the race, and they all have some little bit of a chance. You can't ignore that man. You ignore him at your peril. Uh, others that might have a bit of a squeak are number 4, Twilight Man, Andrew Strasby's runner, and his horses have been going really well. And number 10, Let's, from Ken Condon's David. Had two runs already. First run it was an eye-catching run. Second was a bit of a disappointment, despite the fact it finished third. And who knows, it might be the one to upset the favourites there tonight. And the 7 o'clock race, 6 furlong handicap. You, uh, there's 12 runners in this. And I think the favourite might be Master Matt, number 2. Not quite sure of, of the, uh, the betting, but I suspect he might be favourite. Tide of Time, number three, is another one that will be well supported. Mrs. Bouquet, number five, a winner last time out. She'll have her supporters as well, as will Andrew Slattery's 
Ola Benita, number nine. Earls, number ten, was also winner last time out. In fact, this one has won three of its last five races, and uh, it's too a poor run tonight, but I, somehow or another, I, he won really well uh, last time, two weeks back it was, but I think he might be worth a neat little each way there. Finally, the, the last race tonight is another handicap lane. It's over two miles, and there's 13 runners. A lot of these wouldn't get uh, two miles, as they say, in a horse box, but uh, if you could figure out the ones that might stay, you might have a chance to get the winner. Blue Shadow has uh, won this last race up there. It was over a mile and a half, and looked that night that he might actually uh, stay two miles, so he might have a squeak. Tonkinese, number three, ran already up there this week. was very disappointing, despite the fact he was uh, supported in the market, and he could be a springer there. But number two, King's Vow. This fella has been running over hers, and uh, there's no danger about this guy getting the trip. I think he's the one horse in the race, we can be sure. At least he'll get the trip. Whether he'll get it in front or not, <laughs> I don't know. But I'd been pre- I'd be prepared to take a chance on King's Vow in the last race. That's the one I'd have the money on tonight, Lane. Okay, that's the one that we're putting the dinner on on Sunday. <laughs> exactly, okay. exactly. Okay, we had the 6 o'clock. The winner was number 11, Russian River. In second was number 4, Ferry Bank at 7-2. to two. And in third was number 7, Ramon Deloria at 18-1. to one. And, uh, Bear, we've just got news of the jockey, Oshin Murphy. Of course, he yeah, was... Yeah, uh, he, he picked up... A, yeah. A, yeah, but look, the French steward, well, he, he failed the drug test, so he, he's been denying it now, this, but look, he's, he's going to pay for now three months as... Mm. A long time for mm. a jockey, you know. He, he he certainly would have a lot of amounts in that time, you know. And it's remarkable, isn't it? In the current climate, it's you know, drug tests are so accurate that uh, he can have the gall to deny it. Yeah, I know that's true. <laughs> that's the yeah. But you who might argue with that? I know, he'll serve his punishment. And a quick word on Diego Maradona. Um, a great footballer and a, a somewhat unusual character. After look, he was he was a character, that's for sure. But look, everybody has their own ideas. Different generations would say this lad, that lad. I just saw a survey yesterday where uh, it was more or less split between Messi and Ronaldo and Maradona and Pele were very much down the pecking order. But mm. there's no doubt Maradona was one of the greats. I mean, you only have to look at some of the clips that have been shown to marvel at the skill of the man. He was absolutely unique. And, you know, skill-wise, I think he was probably the best of them all. Absolutely. Bear, we'll talk to you again tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for taking the Please call. God. Thanks, Liam. Take care. Okay, that was Burr Scott there with the racing. Just before we head to the Greyhounds, um, Nicky, we're talking about the death of Diego Maradona, but closer to home, uh, the passing of Harry Ryan and Dennis Heaslip, and uh, reading the tributes over the past couple of days, they seem to be two thoroughly liked people. Yeah, Liam, well, look, I, obviously I knew Harry maybe a bit better mm-hmm. than Dennis Heaslip, but obviously Dennis Heaslip is one I remember playing in uh, 63. He played in 57 as well. 63 was my first day in Croke Park, not just my first All-Ireland. And he was described by um, by P.M. O'Sullivan, who was a writer with the Examiner, actually down from that neck of the woods. He's been a selector with Belly Hale, you know, as probably the DJ Carey of his days. So if he could be described as that, he was certainly a special player. I can't, I mean, really what I can remember from 63 was the 14 points scored by Eddie Carey and things like that um, but nevertheless he clearly was a great player I knew Harry Ryan uh, obviously a lot better because we had a very dis- the funny thing about 80- Harry played in 83 and 
he was the only change from 83 and I was the person who lost out now I had got a bad hand injury during 83 um, from in a junior match playing with Conaghy and while I came back to be fair to the selectors they had moved everybody up a line from corner of Carrie came in corner forward and corner forward and half forward and eventually in Joe Hensley went back to where I had played in 82 so that's fine look at the time you're disappointed but in hindsight the selectors were, were right mm. in what they'd done uh, he, was a, he was a fine hurler and uh, he played obviously for Kilkenny and successful minor and Pat alluded to that in the sports bulletins in the last couple of days and um, you know played very well with Clara look I mean it's 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 sad he's uh, six years of age he could have expected to live a lot longer but he's had a he's had a tough time in recent times in fairness to Harry and uh, mm. God rest him we miss him and he's he, we send his our sympathies to all his family and to the family of Dennis mm. Heaslip Pat have you any memories of either of them? Um I suppose I remember Dennis Eastlip a little bit uh, playing with Knock Tofer, uh down in the, the South in junior club matches and uh, I always remember the way he held the hurl. Mm. He actually held, uh, you know, when he was walking along, he held the hurl uh, down right nearly at the boss. You know where the, the, the tape goes around the boss? He held yeah. it down that low, like uh, when he, it was uh, just stuck in me in me memory. I was I was referring that to you last Sunday. A lot of the Kildare hurlers in the Christie, in the Christie ring last week were doing that as well. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he, was a, he was a class hurler and... Uh, Harry Ryan, Harry was uh, a great hurler and, and, and as hard as nails and uh, he um, he captained uh, Bennis Bridge and Clara combined in the 74 um, minor club championship and they won it and uh, Harry was captain of uh, Kilkenny then in 75 in the uh, in the in that uh, that was the year like mm. we won minor under 21 and senior yeah. and uh, won uh, actually won them all because we won the um and the colleges and the vocational schools as well all that year right. they were all on the one table but uh, and uh, Harry then was part of the Clara team that won the All-Ireland in 86 as well uh, mm. the, or sorry the club championship uh, club championship here in Kilkenny in 86 and, and that and uh, he actually hurled against Kilkenny in uh, the league final of 1990 if the best of my knowledge with New York um, he was over in New York that time and uh, Kilkenny won in um, uh, won the the league here, and uh, then what was known as the home final. Yeah, then. and they played they played New York, which was a kind of a, a throwback to the sixties, the home final, and then the the league final. But uh, I think he played with New York uh, um, uh, against Kilkenny uh, that time, and uh, but uh, yeah, Harry was uh, a great hurler and a, a, a great character. Yeah, and we pass on our condolences to both uh, families there, Ireste Greva on him now. Just quickly, both teams, both Kilkenny teams, have head of their semi final. Tomorrow we'll start with the senior hurlers in goal is Owen Murphy. The full back line, Connor Delaney, Hugh Lawler and Tommy Walsh. The half back line is Parik Walsh, Killian Buckley, Paddy Deegan. In the middle of the field is Connor Brown and Connor Fogarty. John Donnelly, TJ Reid and Martin Keown line out on the half forward line, while the full forward line is Billy Ryan, Richie Hogan and Owen Cody. Plenty to, to discuss with that team. We'll do so a little bit later in the programme. As for the Camogie team, well, we go with Ethan Norris in goal, full back line, Michelle Tehan, Claire Phelan and Davina Tobin. Half backs, Colette Dormer, Megan Farrell and Grace. Walsh, middle of the field, Anna Farrell, Laura Murphy. Half forward line is Miriam Walsh and Dalton and Eva Doyle. And the full forward line is Mary O'Connell, Denise Gall, and Katie Nolan. And we'll have coverage of both those games tomorrow. Updates from Parky Cueve and our watch along tomorrow evening in a sports special between six and eight. Nikki, you're going to make us a few, Bob. Oh, I don't know about that, Liam, because I think um, uh, if Seamus Brophy is listening, it's uh, <laughs> obviously there's no farm and, and uh, yeah. being put up uh, by uh, Tom Canan. And certainly in the first uh, three races tonight, 
well, yeah, the first three races, practically every one of the dogs, they've only had trials, they've had no actual races. So for many of the dogs, they're actually heading into an official race for the first time tonight. So this is the ultimate pin job. But uh, being the uh, silly boy that I am, I'm going to have a go at it anyway. And the first race starts at half seven tonight. They're starting a little bit earlier, I suppose, with the evenings, uh, that bit uh, obviously a lot darker and dark's coming in early. It's the Welcome to Kilkenny Track 0-3-5-2-5. No need to talk too much about him. I'm going for Willie Handlin's uh, number four, Ballygore Dick, to come home ahead of Dennis. Lennon's Lemon Mossy in uh, the first race. Moving on to the second race and again all dogs have done trials and uh, very hard to know what to go for here but I'm going for, it's the Barking Buzz ON3525. I'm going for number three, Dunayne's Piano uh, owned by Oliver Walsh and trained by him to get in ahead of Brian Hickey's. Number six, Kilkenny Capri moving in there. Moving on to race number three, the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust. It's an A8525 Again, a um, lot of dogs here who have done mostly trials. A little bit of racing from some of them. Again, no real form to go on at all here. Going for number three, John Fenley's Turbo Goldie, owned and trained by John Fenley from Leash, to come in ahead of um, uh, two, two Leash for Kilkenny. So we obviously can assume that's a syndicate. That's number six, Stumpy McCann is the name. I love the names of some of these dogs. Now moving on to Greyhounds that have been doing a little bit more racing. It's the uh, That's the third race. Moving on to race number four. I'll just get the page out right it's the uh, sorry it's again uh, dogs who've been doing trials and that was race 5 I was thinking about moving on to race number 5 and it's uh, going for number uh, 2 it's uh, Billy Murphy's and Francis Mullins Ascot Teddy number 2 to get in ahead of Celia Burns Bally Daniel Hugh that's number 6 race number 5 it's the Greyhounds Make Great Pets. It's an A6525. Again, uh, John Fenley's from County Leash, number one, Rat Mile Nor. Uh, that's had a couple of it. Had, had no will. It has one win in its last five races, but it's had a couple of seconds, so I think he just might uh, get ahead of the, get the nose in front. Ahead of Larry Ellard's uh, from County Carlos, Woolies Dutch. Again, that dog has had, uh, in the last five races, one was a solo actually trialed in the track. The other four races, he's come in second, so maybe I should be going for him. But however, we'll go for Rat mile nor number one ahead of number four uh, Woolies Dutch moving on to race number six and uh, race number six is the trials at Kilkenny Track it's an A4525 again dogs that have done a little bit of racing and uh, I'm going for number two it's Anne Phelan's Carl Bush Girl she's had a three seconds and, and and two firsts in her last five races so it's been in reasonably decent form I think uh, she'll get ahead of uh, number uh, Four. That's uh, Jamie Cousins, Master Jamie Cousins, trained by Margaret Fortunes. Fortunate Flyer, and uh, number number four. That is to come home second. Race number six. That's race number seven now coming up. Kilkenny Racing Night Racing. Uh, Friday Night Racing at Kilkenny Tracks in A3, A4, 5, 2, 5. Again, I'm going for Hello Hammond in that. It has, has no success to date, but I think it's been getting closer with every passing uh, with every passing race to get in ahead of uh, Gavin Nolan's Kilshawn Shakira, number three there in uh, Trap three that has had uh, three thirds in its last three races, a second and a first before that. Moving on to race number eight. That's the Kilkenny Greyhound Owners and Breeders the day three, A4, five, two, five. And a lot of uh, this is really a, a toss up because dogs have more or less had the same type of results here. Going for number one, Saxa, Ger Brennan owned and trained from uh, Johnstown there. It came home uh, last weekend. It had a first uh, last weekend, so hopefully it'll continue the, the forum this week. Going for number two, three, uh, Niall Cummins from Enniscorty, Gusty Ned uh, to come in uh, in uh, second place. Now, it didn't do too well. It had a um, 
it had a six there a couple of weeks ago but before that it had a four so we'll give that the benefit of the doubt and give him going for us give him a second place moving on to the uh, race number eight and it's the first semi-final of the Danny and Ella Norton Memorial A2525 uh, great greyhound people Danny and uh, Ellen Norton and that race will head off just after nine o'clock I'm going for number six uh, Philip O'Keefe's Killara Prancer it's been a very impressive greyhound now she came second in the in the not in not so not so long ago a week ago in fact uh, in this uh, same race in the heat uh, the quarterfinals of this race so I think she just got in ahead of Patrick Sin that's out from uh, Kells there Blackstone Ballad that's number 5 coming in second race number 10 uh, gets the uh, second semi-final of that Danny and Ellen Norton A2525 again uh, some good dogs in this one I'm going for Mill Road Mill Road Knight came home uh, second in uh, to Blackstone Ballad in the um, uh, last week but I'm going for that to come home ahead of Bull Run Bottle a Quinlan dog there from Torless James Quinlan uh, to come home uh, to come home second although that did have a win last week but I think they might just reverse the positions and moving on to race number 11 it's the Kilkenny track it's an A3525 going for uh, Liam Peacock's Bogger Maggie a Torless Greyhound had had a, a win in its last race uh, not so long ago uh, to come in ahead of uh, Patrick Meany's Ratdolf Legend number one so four to win with one second and that's it Liam from uh, Kilkenny track this evening OK Nicky thank you very much indeed still to come we'll be looking ahead to both All-Ireland semi-finals Kilkenny and Waterford the main focus from our point of view here on Nari Pat Tracy and Nicky Brennan will discuss that but up next on the programme Sheena Norris looks ahead to Cork and Kilkenny in the Camogie semi-final stay with us we are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And we have two very big semi-finals this weekend in Hurling Camogie. Both Kilkenny teams involved. Let's, head, let's have a look at the Camogie firstly. Kilkenny against Cork and joining us to preview it is Sheila Norris. Evening to you, Sheila. Hi, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. So, uh, Kilkenny and Cork, these two know each other fairly well. Oh, look, yeah, they've, been, we've, they've met now for over the last five, six years uh, in either semi-final or final stage, so... And they they know each other inside out, so it's going to be a battle. Yeah, and it's uh, one to look forward to. What have you made of the Kilkenny performances so far this year? Uh, look, they, they topped their group easily enough. You know, they uh, beat Washford, Westmead, and Limerick uh, without really kind of drawing a breath. So it was, it was, uh, uh, the group stages probably didn't give us any tough matches, which you really kind of need going into at this stage, so and then we bypassed the quarterfinals because we topped that group, so like, this will be probably be the, the toughest test yet, really Yeah, and like, without being disrespectful to the opposition, is the fact that maybe playing Cork in an all in semi-final, would you have perhaps liked more of a test going into it? Well, you always need good, strong matches. I mean, there's, there's 33, 34 girls in there and they're probably playing... They Well, they can only play against each other at the moment with the restrictions. You can't get challenge matches. But no doubt they're putting it up to each other at training and everyone vying for a spot. So that they have been tough. And like, I don't disrespect Water. Well, Waterford were a very strong team. We met them first below Welsh Park. And like, they were very, very tough. And Limerick were very tough. And, like, Westmead had just come up from Intermediate there last year. And, like, they had very good players. Just another year or two, they'll be serious contenders. So, in no way would I diminish the challenge that they faced. But, uh, like, the experience of Cork will be something different to face. Yeah, and uh, Cork, what do you think they'll bring to the party tomorrow? Won't be easy. Oh, it won't be easy, no. I mean, they've got uh, some terrific players in their group. And they're very strong, very physical team. So... Like that's what they'll bring. They'll bring speed, and they they 
they kind of play camogie a bit like they, you, they play football, you know, with the running off the shoulder and the running game. And, you know, so they will be a, a very strong challenge now. So, like, I wouldn't in any way underestimate them at all. Absolutely not. And from our point of view, it's probably in, um, very, very important to put in a strong performance going into an All-Ireland final, if we're being optimistic and say we'll get there, because uh, we've had some heartache over the past couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been in five of the last six All-Irelands now and, like, only winning one of them. So... It, it, it's it's tough and it's hard on the girls but look it shows their character that they come back every year and they push it in again and they try and get over the line and like in fairness Galway were excellent last year they're excellent again this year so like there's nothing nothing safe at all that even if you do get over Cork tomorrow so like in fairness to Brian he has the girls well trained and they're all well prepared that's, that's as much as you can do really most certainly and how do you see the other semi-final going? It's probably, I mean, I'm delighted to see Tipperary there. I, I can't see them overcoming Galway, to be honest. Galway just have have too much under their in, in their their team to be. Yeah. To, to, I can't see them uh, being knocked off that perch by Tipperary tomorrow. Now, stranger mm. things have happened, as we've seen lately in, in, in GEA, so... Mm, but you in can, fairness, look, they're there, mm, you know. Yeah. So once you're there, there's and always a chance. Definitely, and in fairness to Tipperary Camogie, they are making strides in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you know, and they again, I think this is their second semi, it's our third semi final in a row. So like they're knocking at that door now, and they'll be doing everything in their power to try and get over Galway tomorrow. And possibly Galway might be a bit complacent. I don't know. I haven't been speaking to anyone mm. from that side but you never know you know they can be caught on any day yeah well Sheila we wish everyone including yourself the very best of luck in the camp tomorrow we'll have full updates here on Community Radio Kilkenny City and the very best of luck thanks for taking thank the call thank you very much thank you no bye, problem bye, at bye, all bye. that was uh, Kilkenny Camogie chairperson Sheila Norris there and uh, Nikki, you've been following Kilkenny Camogie all year are you confident yeah look at I, I think they'll be up again now, unfortunately, because of the two games, I mean, Croke Park tomorrow, I won't be in Cork, but we will have uh, we will have people covering the game for us in Cork, so they'll be linking up with Pat here from uh, quarter past twelve tomorrow. So we will have updates mm. literally on the with every puck of the ball, and Pat will have the game obviously on the television here in the studio. A couple of things about the Kilkenny team, obviously, they put uh, Claire Feelan back in full back. Kilat Dormer was playing most of the games, and I haven't said that Claire was drifting back a bit, and clearly, I suppose they that's um, that's not a bad move. Michelle Teen, who was playing out the on the half-back line is in at cornerback now I thought she was excellent the last day I would have said she was Kilkenny's best player the last day when they were playing uh, Limerick in the last game and uh, Limerick worked very competitive for the first half but Kilkenny ran away Davina Tobin was more playing in the far corner so Kalatarma right half-back playing in the full-back line Megan Fardell was playing right half-back and Grace Walsh was playing left cornerback so uh, while there are the same six players they're just in different positions mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that uh, Anna Fardell at midfield and uh, Laura Murphy who was from a Lachlan Gales down the road here she's uh, now gone out to midfield as well delighted to see Miriam Walsh back I mean she is just uh, a real real uh, she's a work she's a workhorse on mm. this team and she is very important I, I could actually see even though she's picked at number 10 I could actually see her placed at full forward at the start of the match and Denise Gall out the field in fact I could see Denise Gall maybe out around the middle of the field as well and Laura Murphy at 10 so that could happen and Dalton at centre forward and Aoife Dyle is a, is a young player and has been uh, in good form a big test for the two corner forwards Katie Nolan and Mary O'Connell uh, clearly they're uh, they're new to the scene this year in terms of competitive games uh, they've come through the uh, the intermediate ranks both good players and uh, but this is going to be a big test for them look it's a big test for Kilkenny I, I think they'll be up again it. they'll really need to be f- to, to be firing from the off on this particular one but look they'll be playing on a 
great surface. Parky Creep will be no advantage to okay, Cork did play there the last day. But at home I don't see it as that much of an advantage anyway. Mm. But I think Kenny will have it all to do. But if they play the way Brian Dowland has him coached and the way he's hoping to get what he's hoping to get out of him, I think they won't be too far off. Yeah, and we, we really need a big performance, Pat, because we just haven't fired performance wise this year so far. Yeah, sometimes when you're playing teams like that, you just do enough to win it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, you might be well ahead and uh, kind of get a bit slack and that kind of thing. But, look, this is the game they're waiting for all year uh, to play the semi-final. They've had uh, plenty of a build-up for it and they've picked the team on form and uh, they have a good panel as well. And there's loads of experience in the team. Uh, most of them have played in All-Ireland finals and there's a little sprinkling of uh, new players coming in, uh, getting the start as well. So um, it's it's just going to they're just going to have to perform from the word go tomorrow mm. down against Cork and uh, take it from there. Mm. And in the other semi final, Nicky, would you agree with Sheila? Mm. A bridge too far for Tipperary? I think so. Yeah, I think this Galway team are uh, are, are excellent. I think they're they're in, they certainly have a couple of players back. They have a couple of the daughters of uh, Michael Hopper McGrath back from last year. They didn't play out from last year. There were some issues in the camp, mm. and they they bring a lot to them. They're the Sarsfields players that won the club all Ireland, so they're even stronger. And I think uh, look, the only thing about it is is um, is um, Tipperary will have uh, Ashley Maloney back now, who was who was a footballer, but she was banned for the last hurling matches. Now she'll be back, and uh, Tipperary are kind of working on the back of how things have gone in the football and the feel good factor and all of that. They'll be competitive, but I I think it's I think it's going to be um, Galway. Yeah, just a couple of texts into us. Jim Fogarty says he knew Dennis well. He was a lovely and kind gentleman. And uh, our friend Benjamin from the Isle of Wight, or the Isle of Luce, I should say, he says, good evening all. Uh, condolences to everyone in Kilkenny following the loss of Harry Ryan and Dennis Heaslip. It was especially poignant to t- uh, an especially poignant time to lose Dennis as we anticipate an All-Ireland semi-final with Waterford. What do you think of the teams uh, we've selected and how much of a chance would you give us? Well, we'll touch on that in the next segment of the programme. And of course, yeah, I think um, he played in the 1958 and 63 finals yeah, he played in 57 and 69 he probably played in 59 as well I'll check that but uh, he did play in 59 but they didn't win that one mm. that uh, Watford beat him after a replay but he played in 57 and he yeah, 63 as well so yeah yeah, very good innings came on as the sub in 64 yeah and he was a very decent man he had a little small shop in uh, in Octofer <laughs> and he uh, he liked people coming in and mm. as some people said to me you'd often leave with, uh, with with a bar of chocolate or a bottle of orange or something and you wouldn't have even uh, been, been buying yeah. them because he was such a generous man absolutely well as, as we said earlier in the programme we pass on our sympathies to both families there JJ Kavanagh's Daily Airport Service sponsors Talk Sport on Community Radio Kilkenny City PJ Collins, Centre of Bennett's Bridge, sponsors All-Ireland Semi-Final Day on Community Radio Kilkenny City this Saturday from noon. Wall-to-wall coverage of Camogie and Hurling. As Kilkenny play Cork in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie Semi-Final in Parky Cueve at half past twelve. Then it's on to Croke Park for a floodlit Hurling All-Ireland Semi-Final with a six o'clock throw-in. As the Leinster champions Kilkenny take on a resurgent Waterford in the battle for Southeast supremacy and a place in the All Ireland hurling final. PJ Cullen and Centra, Bennett's Bridge, supporting our local stars in hurling and camogie. On Kilkenny's only community radio station, Community Radio Kilkenny City, top class championship hurling and camogie on 88.7 FM and the World Wide Web. Community Radio Kilkenny City, number one for sport in the Marble City.
KB's Rhythm and Roots. Please note the time change for one week only. This Saturday it's 8 to 10. So let the music keep our spirits high and keep on rocking. Let the music keep our spirits high. Friday evenings Talk Sport on 88.7 FM with JJ Kavanagh Bus and Coach Hire. It is TalkSport 086353 is, uh, is the number for your text. Kieran Ari, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Liam. How are you keeping? Uh, all good now. Looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, we just have the team hot off the press. What do you make of it? Um, I suppose to be probably surprised that Colin Fenley is, is after uh, losing his place. But I suppose with the way the run of the game went the last day and the impact Richie Hogan had, mm. um, like... Any other time, it'd be in doubt. But I think he can't really complain. Um, just in terms of his physicality in around the full forward line, all right. I think we might might struggle without it. But look, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, Brian makes the final decision, so uh, he's he's obviously going on form and what he sees in training. So we just have to go with it at the moment. Yeah, are you surprised? Maybe we're not holding Richie Hogan. You know, maybe the, for the final twenty minutes and see how the game goes. And if we need him or not, starting with him maybe a risk of it backfires. Um, I don't know now like Richie last year he had great form against Cork um, like Ben in, in tip against Limerick he was very good and against Tipperary and all things went didn't go his way but he still had a lot of possession before he was sent off hmm. so maybe like for in around Owen Cody and Billy Ryan as well he'll like you know he has his experience and he's coming on the back of like it's like it's really a tricky situation for Richie like and Brian I suppose that if you don't start him you're saying he's a shatter and his confidence is small but because of the impact he had the last day then if if you're using him as an impact sub you know if you're saying do I leave him and use him as an impact sub and then what he brings to the table you know at, at a crucial stage in the game but hopefully Colin can do the same you know he's an experienced player he's captain so when called upon hopefully he'll come in and do his part as well yeah, and Nicky, despite only being on the pitch for, what, 20 minutes the last day, he had the biggest impact by far, really. Well, I mean, he did. I mean, he, he certainly, uh, the Galway players uh, were, didn't know what to do when he came on. He got on the ball well and uh, that he would look sharp. And it was great to see that. And clearly when TJ Reid was around him as well, they were causing a lot of confusion. But I agree with Kieran. I, I, I actually expected Colin Fenley to start the game. But look, we all know Brian Cody goes on has happened in training. They would have had last week, I suspect, they would have had three very serious training sessions with plenty of hurling in it. And uh, Brian Cody will always, and his selectors will always pick teams based on the form they're seeing in training. And uh, so, as far as I'm concerned, if that's the team they've picked, they've picked it on form and they know they know what's happening better than anybody. All we're doing is, is commenting ourselves, expressing mm. surprise on the basis that we don't have a clue what's going on behind the scenes, but purely looking at at it from a, di- from a distance. The Lionel Messi of hurling, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Our Messi is the Richie Hogan of soccer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever you like. Yeah, but mm. uh, right call, I'm sure you think. Um, yeah, well, I can understand uh, the, 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 the rationale behind it. Um, uh, look, he's going to be playing on Prunty, and uh, you're going. He's going. Prunty's going to be faced with skill, and uh, you know uh, that kind of guile and all the rest, which uh, will be a, just a completely different challenge to what he'd have if it was uh, Colin Fenley. So, um, 
uh, Richie showed the form the last day and uh, the confidence is high and all the rest and obviously look the training sessions last week uh, they were whether the thing was carried on and uh, all the rest that was there uh, for the selectors to see so I, I, I see the rationale behind it I also see the rationale behind TJ Reid centre forward if Colin Lyons mm-hmm. is it he's the man marker if he's going to pick up yeah. uh, TJ Reid then De Borca goes out to the wing and I thought uh, Watford suffered an awful lot with De Borca going to the wing uh, against Clare that uh, they were opened up quite a bit whether that happens now this coming uh, tomorrow night is another day's work but they'll have to think will we leave the work on TJ or whatever I know Tony Kelly and TJ are two different players but they're two scorers so you know uh, you, you can't really zone and mark TJ Reid can you? No. <laughs> can you mark TJ Reid in any way? Yeah well you see that's the thing so I can understand uh, the placing of the, the, the Kilkenny team in that regard so uh, it, it'll be interesting and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see, see the way the, the whole thing develops mm, Yeah and Kieran, Colin Fenley did get a lot of criticism after the last day but TJ Reid was quiet for a large period as well wasn't he? Uh, he was uh, Liam but to be fair like <laughs> we, our, a lot of like he was still when you when needed him to step up and take the freeze mm. he didn't miss any and that's that's key to you need someone like TJ like that and then all you need then was just one moment the brilliance and he caught the ball and sold through and buried it like you know so like you can only keep these players uh, quiet for so long and um, like he was like in fairness but he broke did, did have the upper hand on him and the full back thing did have the upper hand on us but maybe that, like that's where Richie came in then like he might have been had top form the last couple of years but still he demands that respect from the other players and the nervousness he created in the full back line created these opportunities for TJ Maybe that's why he's there as well. So, look, mm-hmm. I'd be hoping for a big game with TJ. I agree with Pat. Like, if he, if TJ centre forward, completely throws, tight the work out, does he go out to the wing? Does he stay centre back? And I think John Donnelly and Mossy Cohen then play a key part then on driving on down the wings as well. So, look, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out, Liam. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd have good confidence in our forward line tomorrow. Just before we look at the Waterford side of things, maybe a couple of other points on the team. Um, Walter Walsh missing out, Nicky, and great to see Killian Buckley and Paddy Deegan on the half-back line. Well, Killian Buckley was excellent the last yeah. day, and I think he's in his best position. I think he just wasn't comfortable at all at midfield. It's good to have Paddy Deegan back. There's a dash about his play. A uh, big game now for uh, for Tommy Walsh as well, and uh, he did good well the last day. Now, we're, all we're hearing big things, I mean, we've seen big things about Desi Hutchison from Ballygunner in that corner forward. He'd be directly opposite Tommy. Tommy Walsh is someone they play in their respective positions. So Tommy will need, he's a good man marker and I think he will need that. But I think the key thing here is that Watford have been good at opening up the opening up the pace, opening up the whole team and switching ball across the field and runners running from midfield and picking up the ball like that. So Kenny will need to be need to be aware of that. Look, as regards Walter Walsh, look, he, he didn't go from the last day but he'd be a hell of a good sub to be bringing on if, if mm. you saw him coming on now you'd uh, you know the, the opposition would, would make them think but look if he does come on he just has to he just has to sharpen up mm. and Kieran Hutchinson strikes me as a real ruthless dangerous corner forward that if, uh, if there's any mistakes back there he'll pounce he will Liam yeah and like we saw him hurling against Ballyhill uh, two years ago we are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 like, FM. Long, long hurling, he was only had to come back from England from the soccer and whatever, but you can see he's improved with every game. But the last day I thought the defending was terrible for the goals um, that he got in for. And while I do rate him, I think he's a good hurler and all. I think if we keep it tight and if Paddy Deegan needs to 
play an uh, important role in that as well where he doesn't leave the space in front of Tommy he needs yeah. to protect Tommy there as well so it's a big job ahead for Paddy Deegan as well Yeah and Pat the water threat am I, are, my, are my eyes deceiving me or has Austin Gleeson gone a bit deeper? Well, Austin Gleeson uh, named that uh, full forward and uh, he's he's definitely uh, a target man there and uh, he, he, he ran, there was one occasion, I suppose, against Clare. He went out to the wing and... Uh, Got the puck out and put it over the bar, mm. so that's a um, that that that's an option for him as well. But um, he probably doesn't work hard enough out the field to have him out there. So mm. um, he'll he'll do he can do he can be a bit bit more freedom at full forward. Uh, as far as you know, having himself and Hutchinson in there, uh, you'd say is a, a, a fair bit of a threat. Not I'm I wouldn't be raving about Hutchinson as much as everyone else is because. Um, I think he's a class act. He's lovely balance, lovely feet and all the rest. But look, he got two goals against Clare and he set up another one uh, on a day of bad defending. When he was up against a real good defender in uh, Finn uh, of, of Limerick, mm. he was uh, he was quiet. You know, so the, the, it's... Uh, the jury is out a little bit as to as to how good he is and how effective he'll be. But he is a finisher. I'll say that. L- probably likes to hit off his left a little bit more than his right. But um, again, he he'll take a bit of watching. But it's always a these games are always in the middle third, aren't they? Where yeah. where where the whole thing is sorted. And you know we talk about. Uh, Colin Fendi and we talk about TJ and those being quiet uh, for a long time in the in the last match against Galway. The supply in wasn't great either, you know. So uh, I mean, uh, uh, until when Richie went in, then uh, the thing changed and uh, he he had the touches as well. So uh, you know, oftentimes the full forward line you can suffer a bit as to what's coming in and what's mm. not. Nicky, if I whip out my textbook for dummies and I put down a statement, if we score what Clare scored against Waterford, we'll win. Will that be correct? Yeah, well, we said that here on the radio, so that's mm. probably where you learned all that. From. You're, you're, obviously, you're obviously listening to us when yeah, you're in hibernation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be, we would be of that view. If we score uh, what, what what Clare scored, we should win the. And that's obviously going to be a key issue that Liam uh, Liam Cal, uh, I've no doubt, in during the week will will be working on. Now he wouldn't have had as much time to prepare as. Um, Brian Cody, but he will be working on that. He knows he's he's around long enough, and he's a smart player. He's a very good manager. This guy, he really is good to motivate players and to uh, work them well, and knows what when changes to make. But it's all it's all right right now. It's all down to um, uh, that. Watford will be wanting to make sure that Kilkenny attack are kept at that at, at bay. And I suppose one of the things there is is what type of ball is going in. People are saying hit in high ball. Now with your Richie. Uh, Owen Cody and uh, Billy Ryan in the full forward line. It's very hard to see mm. how you would uh, you would benefit from high balls going in there. But if TJ drifts in, there's no better man to catch a dropping ball over the sky than TJ Reid. I, I I wish Richie Power was here because we could ask him how did um, Carrick Shock let uh, Liam Cal go? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to bring him in for a, you know for a trial one day, and we'll get that out of him. Uh, Kieran, finally on this game, do you think maybe the this is the start of maybe a new Waterford generation, and they, it'll be another couple of years before they're playing in an All Ireland final? Will we have too much for them? Um, I think so, Liam. To be honest, like if Kilkenny match Waterford's work rate tomorrow, um, I think our hurling will pull through. Like the class of our forwards should pull through in the end, but. Like we need to, we need to match that work rate, that intensity that Waterford will bring, and then punish them when we when we get the chances. Mm. Like if we leave them in the game for long periods, and they get ahead, like make it very difficult for us. But I expect if our lads bring the work rate, the intensity, everything they've brought so far this year will be fine and just tie up. 
I don't give Ty, Ty the work of the space that he got the, against Cork or the space he got the last day against Clare like that's, that's he's key to everything that and Jamie Barron in midfield he needs to be watched as well but other than that look I think Kilkenny Kilkenny hopefully will be back back in the All-Ireland again and um, we'll be looking forward to the final yeah, just a word on the other semi-final then, Kieran. Uh Galway, they've not been that impressive in their last two games. Uh, is it their end to the championship coming on Sunday afternoon? I don't think so, no. I, like, I, I, think, like, I think Limerick will pull through, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as people are saying. Mm. Like, um, you go back to 20, 2018, um, like, Limerick played Galway in the final, and Limerick or Galway were going for the back-to-back. All the pressure was on them. Limerick were coming in as the underdogs and still only barely scraped over the line by a pint. I know they were well ahead in that, but that Galway team, like they had a lot, a lot of tough games in the in the period, two year period before that. So, like Galway have four, four, like if you, I think any team would take four of the forwards, you know. So, mm. like, and I think we were saying it the whole time, Galway are getting their backs from that All Ireland winning team back into place now. So, like, it won't, Limerick won't have it all the wrong way, but I think what will play to them is the strength of that bench that they're able to introduce but they need key performances again from their half forward line I thought they've been poor in the last game um, and that's their that middle third their half back line uh, midfield and half forward line is key to Limerick and if they don't perform I think Galway could nip it but overall I think I think on the run of form and the run of games I think Limerick will pull through by a couple of points Yeah and Pat though Galway do have something to prove the doubters are out Ah, uh, yeah, well, there's always doubt over Galway, <laughs> no matter what they do, uh, but still... They can be a bit like the Galway weather, unpredictable. Yeah, I can, I, I'll give, I give Galway a, a really good chance in this. Uh, I know, uh, right, um, Limerick uh, just got the better in the All-Ireland a couple of years ago. Things have moved on and you'd say that uh, Limerick are after getting better. But I think Galway are getting better as this championship goes on. And uh, winning last week, and uh, like people say, well, Kilkenny, maybe shouldn't have beaten Galway in the Leinster final and you'd say last week maybe Galway shouldn't have beaten Tipperary but the fact of the matter is they won and it gives them a massive boost uh, when you win like that and uh, I, I give Galway every chance and uh, you know Limerick aren't really scoring goals either and there mightn't be a whole lot of goals mm-hmm. in this but uh, it's, uh, it's a game that could go either way I suspect Nicky you're putting Limerick down on your card though yeah I do I think Limerick are the team to beat this year I like the way they're uh, the way they're moving the ball I like the interplay they're physically a strong team now there's still question marks I think a bit about the full back line because a number of the players there are just not used to playing there so um, but look they haven't been getting goals and that maybe is the one thing that they need to address uh, I think Galway are not bad now I think Shane O'Neill is do- doing very well for me. He's a, I know Shane and he's a very very good manager a very astute individual and I think they're making good progress but there's a number of players I think just are probably not not quite enough a hurling done they're probably a bit new to the scene and um, but they're not going to be far off the mark they'll be physically strong and as I said if they if they use Parik Mannion wisely as a, as a defender in some guys and give Cahal Mannion uh, the brother um, a bit more freedom to uh, to just move around the place rather than sight him at a centre forward position uh, those, those two players mm. I think are key to Galway OK Kieran, we'll let you go thanks very much for taking the call Thanks, Okay, that was Kieran Nari there. We'll hear for the lads before we go. But up next on the programme, reflections on the life of Diego Maradona, who died this week, age 60. Stay with us. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.
PJ Collins, Centra Bennett's Bridge, sponsors All-Ireland Semi-Final Day on Community Radio Kilkenny City this Saturday from noon. Wall-to-wall coverage of Camogie and Hurling. As Kilkenny play Cork in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie Semi-Final in Parky Cueve at half past twelve. Then it's on to Croke Park for a floodlit Hurling All-Ireland Semi-Final with a six o'clock throw-in. As the Leinster champions Kilkenny take on a resurgent Waterford in the battle for Southeast supremacy and a place in the All-Ireland Hurling Final. PJ Cullen and Centra, Bennett's Bridge, supporting our local stars in Hurling and Camogie. On Kilkenny's only community radio station, Community Radio Kilkenny City, Top Class Championship Hurling and Camogie on 88.7 FM and the World Wide Web. Community Radio Kilkenny City, number one for sport in the Marble City. Join us tomorrow for six o'clock for that sports special. Enda McAvoy, a very good evening to you. Evening, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, a sad week for all football fans. Yeah, uh, especially football fans, I think, of uh, a certain generation, i.e. my generation. Um, the greatest footballer we have seen, I think, my generation before, uh, up until Messi came along. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people of a certain age have been uh, quite affected by Maradona's passing. Yeah, and uh, a somewhat divisive character, a wonderful footballer, and uh, he lived a, a very eventful life, to say the least, outside of football. He really did, and uh, I don't know how, how many of your listeners uh, watched the movie. Uh, it was out last year, I think I saw it, uh, in the uh, Watergate one night, um, uh, Maradona at Naples. Fascinating movie, amazing footage, and uh, <laughs> I, I think that the kind of character Maradona was maybe he was kind of always going to get uh, mixed up uh, in kind of shady, shady stuff and he did but uh, he probably merely emphasises how brilliant he was on the pitch yeah most certainly and uh, you know you think back to his days at Napoli I mean we talk about Lionel Messi and Ronaldo and the current climate but he really was a star in a team that you know probably wasn't was nowhere near his level Oh yeah, I mean uh, to take Napoli from uh, from where they were a mid-table team who had never won uh, the Serie A to win two titles anyway for cup. And um, one thing that stood out for me in the movie was uh, kind of eighty-five, uh, eighty-six, eighty-seven when they would go up to the uh, northern clubs to, to Milan and uh, to Turin. The abuse. Uh, Napoli would get for being dirty, smelly, southerners, uh, just incredible, uh, you know, what they had to put up with, uh, the, the kind of windmills that Maradona uh, was tilting out, and uh, he just, as you say, he dragged uh, Napoli and a city, basically, with him. Yeah, and uh, uh, the clock is against us end, unfortunately, so I'm going to ask you the impossible question. If you could sum up Diego Maradona's life, what would you say? Uh, look, uh, I think the uh, the obvious stuff uh, was the obvious stuff. Uh, I just saw a stat. Uh, Argentina scored 14 goals in the 1986 World Cup Finals. Maradona scored five of them and created another five, including the winner for Borussia in the final. Uh, it's a real case of uh, the uh, I think. Definitely. And the McAvoy, thanks very much for taking the call. Take care. That Bye. was... 
That was journalist there, Enda McAvoy, and there'll be more reflections in far more detail with uh, Jim Cashin and Bear Scott on sport tomorrow from 12 o'clock. Don't forget, it's a bumper day, 12 to 5, and then we're back again between 6 and 8 with our sports special. Live updates from Parky Cuevas, Kilkenny face Cork in the Camogie semi-final, and then Kilkenny against Waterford in the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final. Switch on the television and turn on the wireless for our watch-along between 6 and 8. Until tomorrow at noon, Paul Brophy is on the way with communities in action. Bye-bye, take care. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.